Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Please welcome guest moderator, film journalist and broadcaster, Craig Stevens. That, come on, what's wrong with you? Thank you so much. Oh, you added a woo, I love that. Hello and welcome to a very, very special Q&A. We are going to be talking to not only the stars, but the filmmakers of the sci-fi epic of the year. We're talking Ender's Game, but before we meet the people themselves, take a look at this. They know our strategies. They've learned our weaknesses. And the alien attack nearly destroyed us. That must never be allowed to happen again. If we're going to survive, we need a new kind of soldier. One who doesn't think the way we think. Fear the things we fear. One the enemy would never expect. We need minds like yours, Ender. You'll be the finest commander we've ever trained. So I'm not the first? No. But you will be the last. You really don't see them as children, do you? If you succeed, you will be remembered as a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome director Gavin Hood, Haley Steinfeld, Asa Butterfield, we've got Gigi Pritzker and Bob Orsi. Hi, 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 Hello, hello. Hello, 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 hello. Hi, how, how are, are you, sir? Please join us, take a seat. How are we here? Hello. Hello. Wow, this is a lineup. <laughs> this yeah. is like Hollywood royalty lineup. Um, <laughs> lovely to see you all. Thank you so much for coming down and welcome to London as well. Um, Thank you. This film, I know, has been four years in the making for you, Gavin. Um, yeah, 12 for Gigi. 12 for Gigi. Yeah. Um, everyone talked about this film as being the unfilmable film. The yeah, film they were right. Was gonna be <laughs> the toughest movie. What was it that attracted you to go through that hardship to make it the filmable film? Naivety. Had no idea. Gigi Pritzker offered me a job. I was um, very happy to take it and didn't realise, literally didn't quite realise until a little later, how long it had been in development and... Um, uh, and luckily for me, I, I, I just wasn't given any of those scripts. It had been with Warner Brothers for a long time. They eventually gave up on it. Gigi optioned it. I went for a job interview, luckily got the job, and then went, oh boy, how are we going to do this? But um, I had great producers with Gigi and Bob Orsi, and we worked on it for about a year and a half, and uh, finally got a script together that everybody seemed to like, and then, um, and then we tried to find the money. And, uh, Does that so then go back to Gigi and Bob? But, uh, well, is, it, that, is that their job? Yeah, we'll tell a funny story quickly. So we tried to raise money from the studios, didn't we? And, um, and we were in one meeting, and there was a studio executive who said, uh, yeah, we really like your script, and we, we really think this is great, but you know this ending, and those of you who know the book will know that there's a wonderful complex ending and wonderful twist, which we won't give away. But um, the studio executive sort of says, you know, but this ending, and you know, why can't 
they just kick the alien's ass. That's how these movies end. So there was like this moment of panic, and we got out in the parking lot, and Gigi, before I could raise my fist, said, um, well, we won't be making the film here. We'll have to go find the money independently. So I'm very grateful to my producers for, for, the, for, for the opportunity to actually be as true as we possibly could to the themes and ideas in the book that we all love and, and to, to bring those to an audience. Yeah. So Gigi and Bob, um, was it a fight to keep the ending from the book for you guys? Did you, did you ever kind of think, you know what, let's just kick the aliens butt? Did you, <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the fight and the theory behind it, sticking to your guns, so to speak? I don't think it was a fight. I think we no. agreed from the beginning. I think that's why we all uh, liked it. I mean, Gigi, why don't you tell the story of how you actually even became aware of the book, and that'll tell you why we couldn't change it. So uh, my nephew, who was 13 at the time, uh, read this book, and my nephew was someone who had a lot of learning issues and had a hard time reading. So I thought the concept that he actually read a book was shocking. Um, <laughs> but that he liked it was amazing. So uh, I read the book, and I was blown away. And we had a long conversation, and the fact that a book could inspire a conversation between a 13-year-old boy and a middle-aged woman that was interesting and complicated, and you could dig into it, I found amazing, and he said it would make a good movie, wouldn't it? And 15 years later, here we are. <laughs> and that boy just yes. had his first child last night. But more oh. importantly, he has a PhD from Oxford or something. That's just, correct. Just to do justice to this. <laughs> but more importantly, he had his first child last yeah. night. It was amazing. Um, Asa, Asa and Haley, how, how aware with you of, uh, of the book? I mean, because the book maybe isn't so well known here in the UK, Asa, but I know over in the States, this is it's almost part of your curriculum. It is now. I think it's really interesting. A lot of my friends um, who are a few years older than me are reading it in school. We both read the book after we read the script, um, but we both agree that if it weren't for this, we definitely would have come across it at some point. We're really huge fans of science fiction alone and now this story. And for you, Asa, were you, were you the same? You obviously read the book afterwards, but were you aware of anything? I mean, this, this book is listed in the top 10 greatest sci-fi stories of all time. Yeah, I mean, I am, as Hilly said, I'm a huge fan of science fiction, and I did read it just after, after I read the screenplay, and after reading it a, few th a couple of times, I think, I mean, I fell in love with it, both that and, and the story, and I was talking with Gavin, and I can't remember how many conversations we had about it on Skype, but... Yeah, a few. Quite a few, yeah. yeah. Um, going back to the fact that this book is coming up to... It's almost 30 years old. Yeah. Did you have to change the book? Were there any fundamental changes that you went, you know what, this needs to progress? Because I, I believe even Orson Scott Card's work back then, his future is kind of our future now. So did you have to push it even further for a film? No, Bob speaks very eloquently to the future part, and then I'll perhaps talk about the actual... But I always like what you yeah, say about... They, they, a lot of people ask us, did you have to update the book a lot? And the answer is no. The book was so prescient in predicting devices that you could touch, some of which I'm going to touch as soon as I'm done here. We didn't have to update much because it was very futuristic already, and so the idea of uh, action at a distance, things being able to be controlled by remote control, um, again, like devices you can touch. Uh, the, the internet, the, the whole internet. Yep, yep. Uh, we didn't have to do a lot, and that, that's what allowed us to all agree that we could be true to what the book always was, and, and Gavin's script was such. Yeah, I mean, obviously, whenever you adapt a book to a movie, you, certain things have to change, and, and, and everybody says, why? Well, let me do my best. First of all, the book is you know, considerably longer than a two-hour film. Uh, secondly, the book takes place with a kid from age six years old to the age of 13. 
And uh, so let's just start with that. Do you want to see a six-year-old followed by an eight-year-old, maybe a nine-year-old, then an 11-year-old? Do you want to be changing actors on your audience through the two-hour experience? And, you know, grandma's saying, oh, that eight-year-old's ears are different to the six-year-old. So and when you have these actors, you don't want to change no, them. No, you don't want to change you, them. You know, oh. let's, let's keep them. Yeah, so, so, so that was the first thing. Is I, I looked and I thought, in the book, he's six and he ends the story at 13. And I thought, well, let's focus on that intense part of his life at around 12 to 13. Um, because then we can bond our audience with one actor, stick with them. There are complicated themes and ideas and character issues in this film. And to be changing the actor playing the part on the audience just when they're bonding with someone is really often not a good idea. It's fine for a flashback or a little bit here and there. But So that was the one. So first we agreed we're going to compress the time period into about nine months to a year. Um, and so what we do is we start with the film, he's already in a military school. So we don't have to spend time in the movie teaching him how to march, learning how to salute. But we sent these guys on an amazing space camp before the movie. And they should talk <laughs> about that because we, we, you know, we gave them NASA astronaut instructors. We gave them um, you know, Cirque du Soleil trainers to teach them on wires. We had sergeants yelling and screaming at you and how to march. Um, Asa, I mean... Um, yeah, that was... The Great experience. I w when I say great, I mean painful. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you say it, great, you mean was, not so great, but great. Yeah, <laughs> we had so much fun doing it, and I think it was it, we really needed it because prior to that, we I gotta say we had it pretty easy, and then there were about a hundred of us, including the extras, marching down this hallway. If one person messed up, that was it on the floor. Yeah. Twenty push-ups. So it, <laughs> it wasn't easy, but. Well, let me On ask you just that. quickly about the 20 push-ups, because there's a scene in the movie where Asa, you, your character, Ender, stands up for himself. He gets yep. 20 push-ups. I counted seven. Not on the original oh, cut. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> think, think how many Soul takes point. and how many points. Think how many takes we did wow. and how many angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Because then the character, then, then the, the guy says, "Now give me another 20, And I'm sorry, I still counted seven. I'm another sorry, seven, another. Yeah. The director. That's cut on the DVD extras. Right? Every push-up. The, the director's cut, original I cut had it. you wait for those 40 and. Uh, <laughs> oh, said Bobby, really, Gavin? <laughs> Get him up. So, so how hard was the training for you guys? Because, I mean, you're both, both actors. I mean, the character depth within it is, is one thing. But add that to the physical side that your characters both have to go through. Do you kind of read the script going, well, this is a really deep character. This is brilliant. Oh, hang on a minute. I've got to go work. You know, I've got to work out for this. Um, it's a good question. I think for both of us, neither of us have done a film with this much physicality in it. And... It was, I mean, it was a great experience working with all of the cast on it. I think it really helped us bond as well. Going through the same pain together, it was, we I think united in it. Yeah, no, I think it, from, from a director's point of view, it's really, really wonderful to be able to have your actors spend six or seven weeks before you start shooting to get all of that physical training out of the way, to learn to march, to salute, to work in the wires, to understand how they work with the Cirque du Soleil people, and then to know where the visual effects will have to take over from the wire work. And these are very complicated things. And what you don't want to do when you're shooting with a whole crew of 300 people staying around is have Ace going, oh, my harness is a bit uncomfortable now. Oh, I don't like that. You know, which you did anyway, but, but, but less so. Um, yeah. But uh, and, and really just to be able to focus on the emotional <laughs> performances between the actors and have all that. So when I used to be able, you know, if we had to call eight ten, huh, the, whoops, you're supposed to jump up and straight away come oh, to attention. Heels. They would come to attention very well. And there was none of that because there's a lot of that kind of timing in the film. And on set, you want all that out of the way so that you can really focus on the relationships between the characters and the emotional beats and not be messing around with 
how they fit in the wires or how they come to attention or is my salute this way or this way. Or, you know, all of that was ironed out by some really great drill instructors before we even started. One of the, the most spectacularly visual parts is, is the zero gravity stuff. Mm. When you go into that room um, for, the, for the training, um, it, is, it is something that we've probably not really seen on screen before. How do you recreate zero gravity? Is it all wire work or is it, is it a lot of choreography? Asa, I mean, maybe you could talk a little bit about that room. Yeah, even prior to filming, we actually had an astronaut who'd been in space came in and showed us videos of what it was really like in space. Because often you have a stereotypical look of what, in a lot of films, moving really slowly and sluggishly. But in reality, it's nothing like that. And watching these videos, it, it gave you, yeah, it, it showed you what it was like in space. And to recreate that on the wires whilst giving your performance with these other actors was, it was one of the challenges that you had to come across. And I think, I think we did in the film. No, you guys did great stuff. How many hours a day are you, are you in this harness? Are you there for like you're sort of nine to five, just stuck on a harness up in the sky and everyone's gone for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> we were there for a while. On no. that. Give me that. Oh, that's such a yeah. diplomatic. <laughs> You're very polite, Asa. Um, but let's just be clear: they're only allowed to work five hours a day, poor little sods, because they've got to go to school. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. of course. Got to go to school. So. Oh my goodness, yeah. so Haley. <laughs> Talk me through what that's like. How do you study yeah. and then go, hang on a minute, I'm going to work with Harrison Ford, Ben Kingsley, <laughs> but I've just got to do some math first. How, did, how do you do that? That's exactly how it works. Um, anytime we're not filming, we, uh, we're in the classroom getting school done. We, um, we try and get in 20-minute blocks at a time, but that, you know, that's hard to do sometimes. We just do here and there just to, just to get done what we can. But it, um, it seems kind of impossible but it, it works and and um we had we had a great teachers and we were all in a classroom together so we we made lots of fun out of it <laughs> but that's you have to have this infrastructure of school i mean we had a hundred kids at some days in school because we had all the extras so you've got, you've got a whole department that's school that's telling me when i can have the actor and when i can't and trying to shuttle it along so the amount of organization and with the producers as well you really have to be very organized um to make a film like this and not waste resources you know I mean, that must add an, an extra element, Bob. I mean, you know, when you're producing a movie thinking, okay, we've got kids, we've got school. Does, are you sort of going, let's make them adults. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's change it completely and make them 25. You know, at, at which point well, is I, too much enough. <laughs> I had some schooling left myself, so I was in the class. <laughs> no. Um, it just requires preparation, and that's why the idea of all of us really, you know, first training, uh, you know, the actors training uh, together, so that on the days, as you guys can talk more about, you get there and they're, they're already, they were already so well trained that we could get right to it and be very efficient. But I, I still don't know how you guys were able to do math and then go to the, you know, go work on a movie. Incredible. Uh, Ron, Ron Howard always talks about the fact that when he wanted to do the zero gravity stuff for Apollo 13, he made them do, go in the, the, the vomit comet. We talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we um, How come you guys got away with it? Well, uh, let's be clear. When you go up in the vomit comet, you kind of get what you get. You know, everybody spins around. In a film like this, I think that what we need is very specific movements. I mean, mm. in the script, Haley is flying behind two other actors through zero gravity, engaged in a fight, a laser fight, and then 
is slammed into by another character and goes spinning off and hits the stuff. I mean, this is tricky stuff. You can't go up there and hope you get what you get in the Vomit Comet. You know, it's, it's, it, it, this is really very specific. There's an enormous amount of the zero gravity stuff. So you train the moves as best you can in the harnesses. And then at certain points, and I can't even tell anymore where pure computer graphics take over. Um, all, of the, all of the face work is them, and most of the initial moves of the body, but there's a point at which the wire's twisting around your head and you feel like a, you're dying, you know? <laughs> you go, cut, Gavin, I'm getting off. Okay, I'm gonna have to continue that move <laughs> with my visual effects department. And so we had, um, you know, um, MIT Masters in Aeronautical Engineering, Visual Effects Supervisor Matt Butler, and double PhD Greg Chamatoff, astronaut who'd lived in the space station for six months. And these guys coming in to work on the computer simulations and all of this incredibly complicated stuff to make sure that the zero gravity work is absolutely perfect and, and the physics is right. And Gigi got us in to see Elon Musk. And yes. He actually yeah. gave us some stuff. He was actually instrumental early on because we brought the early uh, mock-ups of how we were going to um, do the landings. And he was the one who said, no, the Challenger, which is the, the, space, shuttle. the space shuttle from the U.S., he said, that was a mistake. Everyone will tell you that. You have to do a vertical liftoff. And we had done a horizontal. And Gavin went right back and said, okay, we're changing it to a vertical <laughs> liftoff. It was, it was thank fun goodness. to have all these, yeah, these are really interesting in, very smart people helping us out, yeah. Let's get some questions from the audience, because I know there's a few people that would like to ask you some stuff. Let's, uh, anyone, anyone have a question? We have this gentleman down here. Yes, sir. There's, there's a microphone there for you. Yeah, hi, looking forward to seeing the film. I'm a big fan of Fender's Game. Read the book when I was in seventh grade, so really looking forward to seeing it. Um, can we expect to see Speaker for the Dead in the next few years, and then Zenocide <laughs> and Children of the Mind? And, and also, and have the actors read those books yet? Uh, I guess, especially, I guess, uh, Asa. We think it's bad luck. Bad luck to uh, count your sequels before they hatch. We'd love to see what the reaction <laughs> is to this movie and see what you think of it, and you know, and, and get feedback, and then off of that decide uh, what the story is. In terms of when did you read it? Was that the second party question? I started. I finished Ender's Game. I started reading Speak for the Dead. I haven't finished it yet. Afraid to say, but. Um, I'm sure I will do in the near it's future. It's very interesting. It's a great question, but the tricky thing with this saga is, unlike the Harry Potter books, which follow naturally one after the other, as you know from reading it, speak of it, they're dead. I think the reason he lost a bit of interest is because Ende's 30 years older. So maybe he's thinking, really? <laughs> um, so there, there are definitely we'll issues with making a sequel. We either wait 30 years for Asa or, we'd, or we find a story to tell that's in between that period of time. And, but as Bob says, let's not count our sequels before they hatch. Let's get on. Let's... But we've all got our heads focused on this um, and see what happens. I think Ace is saying, let's wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ace is like, no, waiting is definitely the way forward. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, yes, hello. this lady here. We pass that mic down. There we go. What's your question? Hi, uh, uh, this question is mostly for Bob, Orsi, and Gigi. Um, I'm a film student and I'm aspiring to be a producer. Now, it interests me that you say that 12 years to make this film happen, and I'm sure. You know, there is some times of trouble and sometimes, like, can this really happen? I guess as a person right now who's producing short films, you know, one after another, getting funding through Kickstarter and everything, what do you recommend the most in order, you know, to reach that audience you want to reach and get people's attention so you can keep going further and keep producing? I, I think the thing you need more than anything to produce is tenacity. You <laughs> just have to keep going. Um, the number of times I was told you can't make this movie, I can't count. Uh, and then you find terrific people. 
together to make something happen. But as the producer, you just can't stop. People will tell you you can't do it. Just keep trying to get around it. You can find a way. Uh, and we have time for just one final question. Is there anyone? This, should we have this lady right here on the end? Trailer looks great, by the way. I'm really excited to see it. I wondered if there was any particular way that the actors and director communicated, or if you had a shorthand, knew each other from before, or anything like that. Um, I just yell at them, and they do what I say. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I don't know. So how do we how do we communicate, my friends? Like normal human beings. Like normal human beings. And if I'm honest, I have never worked with someone like Evan before. Like, oh, it's it's an inspiration working with him. The amount Thanks, of friend. passion and energy he put in was, like, I don't think anyone else on the film did. Oh, and thanks, Lisa. Oh, I'm going to get all nostalgic now. And that <laughs> is why he's going to wait 30 years exactly. for the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just sweet talking. No, you, you know, the preparation, the dedication. Here's what we had. We have a great cast. We have these fabulous young actors, and we have Harrison Ford and Sabin Kingsley and Viola Davis, these icons, and these young actors came onto set and there was Harrison Ford, and, 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 and we shot in sequence pretty much. So from the beginning, Asa was, you know, he was way shorter than he is now, and he, was, he grew two inches through the course of the movie. Haley, did you grow? So I, I, I didn't track. No, but no, um, <laughs> I was taller than Asa when we started. But the point is, he was up against Harrison Ford, so in the beginning, it's a little intimidating, and we just exploited that a little. Harrison didn't get too close to you too soon. You don't know this, but he kept his distance. And then by the end of the movie, where he's tough enough to go up against Harrison Ford, by then Asa had pretty much you know, lost the intimidation factor and he gives him a real run for his money. So the important thing is that every actor is different. Every actor is a personality. And you try to find the best way to help and know when to get out of the way. And when to help and when to get out of the way. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. That is unfortunately all the time we have for at the moment. But please join me in thanking. Uh, we've got Bob Orsi. Thank you, Bob. Gigi Pritzer, Asa Butterfield, Hayley Steinfeld, and of course the director, Mr. Gavin. Thank Hood. you. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much. The film is phenomenal on the Thanks. 24th of October. Ladies and gentlemen, the stars and the creators of Ender's Game. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot.